Welcome to Behind the Last Chair. I'm your host, Alexis Weisenberger, founder and owner of AW Lashes. My goal is to help you as a lash artist grow with tips and tricks on lashing, becoming an entrepreneur, marketing, and so much more. This is an amazing place to find free resources and connect with lash artists all around the world. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. We're so excited to be with you today. I am so excited to introduce um, Haley Baker. She is with us today and she is a bookkeeper, but I know I'm not even going to do her justice. So I am going to just let Haley introduce herself so they can get to know you and how amazing you are. Oh, thanks, Christine. Um, my name is Haley Baker. I am the owner of Bee Keeps Books. I started my company about two years ago. I was working in a hair salon in Denver, Colorado, and uh, my boss, who's a very close friend of mine, mentioned to me that all the things we were working on were so important. She felt like many women in the industry really hadn't had exposure to it. You know, budgeting, bookkeeping, tracking your sales, your numbers, growing. Um, and obviously, as everyone knows, they don't really teach those things in beauty school. So I was like, all right, let's try it. Jumped out there and immediately had like three people knocking on my door. So I was completely blown away and just kind of dove in head first while still working at the salon. Fast forward to now, here we are uh, just over two years later, and um, I have about 15 clients all across the United States who do either hair, extensions, um, I have a couple of lash artists, a wax lady, um, and I, I have women who own their own suites all the way up to who people who own their own salons. So huge range of people. And my favorite thing is really just empowering women to understand how their business works and to make the best decisions inside of it so that they feel empowered within their life. I feel like there's a huge transfer between owning a business and, you know, being a badass babe in your life. So that's what keeps me going. I uh, love meeting women and talking about everything. And my favorite thing is really just when people ask me questions and I get to answer them. I love that. And specifically, we are also doing this because in December, because people are getting ready to um, close out the year. And there's a lot of things that they could potentially be doing right now and should be doing now before the calendar year ends to make sure that they're on their taxes and their business and everything for this year, for 2022. Because as you and I were talking prior to recording this podcast, you said you have a whole list of things you normally go through with your clients to get them ready for the end of the year. So I wanted to jump right in with that. And I am sure it will lead us to other conversations and take us down other rabbit holes as well. And as a side note for everyone listening, we are going to be doing a part two in January. So also, if you have questions that you would like us to respond to in that podcast, please uh, DM us and um, let us know. We'll also put up some questions so that you guys can have all of your questions and we can go through those in our January part two of this podcast with Haley. So Haley, jump into it. So I, I figured I could start with uh, women who kind of have, don't really have anything going on, who don't have anyone helping them. They're just kind of floating out in the abyss like, oh, I hope this works. Yeah. Um, so my general advice for that would be before you get started doing anything, you really want to create um, dedicated folders, not only, you know, like a physical one you can hold in your hand, uh, but also a digital one on your computer because obviously, as we know, a lot of things come through our emails now. So that's the best place to start is to get your organization together. Where are you going to put everything that you need? Um, if, especially if you don't have anyone helping you, you're going to need all those things together. And then when you do eventually come, you know, find a tax preparer or an accountant, then you have everything ready for them. And they're like, oh my God, I love you. This is great. Right. So... That's where you want to start. Create one folder on your desktop and then you can pop everything in there. What I like to do personally in my inbox for my email is I have a folder that says receipts on it and I just drop all of my receipts in there throughout the year. So that way I have my proof of everything. And if I have a question about, oh, what did I actually spend that money on? I can go back and look and I have my proof. Um 
for the paper copies of everything, I highly recommend, I'm not sure about for Android, but for iPhone users, the Notes uh, app on your phone is amazing for creating PDF documents. So you can scan pieces of paper into your phone and it looks just like as if you took it to um, a computer or a copy place and copied it. So I like to recommend that. You can also, you know, those things can be texted or you can email them to yourself and then that way it's you have everything in one or two spots. So that's where I say to start so you can set yourself up for success before you even begin. Um, and I would also say is make sure you have, um, if you are going to start a business, make sure you have that system set up, but also separate your accounts. Yes. Your personal and your business. And I think that's something that a lot of beauty professionals, and you may have thought this may be further down on your list. So I may be going, jumping out of order here. It's number two, actually. So (laughs) there you go. A perfect segue. Um, Because I was thinking about that specifically with Venmo, because so many um, beauty industry professionals use Venmo because it's easy. Everybody has it on their phone. And I'm sure we'll get into that on here, too, um, about taxes and things like that with Venmo. But um, as you are doing it, create a business one to keep them separate. Otherwise, it's going to be extremely difficult to do taxes and to do bookkeeping and things like that when they're intertwined with your personal and business. Yes, that's literally my worst nightmare <laughs> is when everyone has everything mixed together. And, you know, the at the, the basic level of, I mean, you obviously don't want to be doing it. The IRS really wants you to keep them separate because otherwise they think it's just a hobby and you don't take your job seriously, you know, your business seriously. Mm-hmm. But really the, the big reason to do it is because you want to be able to track what your business is doing. You want to know if you are profiting or if you're spending too much in a certain category. So that's another good reason beyond, you know, like that's what you're supposed to do. That's another good reason why you should do it. So you always want to keep business and personal expenses and money separate. You want to open your own dedicated business checking and a savings account and only use them for your business. Uh, Another thing I recommend as well, and you don't have to do this right away, but down the road, you can get a credit card for your business because you're going to start, you're going to want to start to build your business credit up. Um, And you're going to want to do that with not your social security number. You want to do it with an EIN that you get for your business because that is what helps you build credit. And then if you eventually want to save um, purchase your own building, um, or, you know, go out on your own with your own lash brand. These are all things that will help you get there. So I recommend a savings account on top of a checking account because you want to have a place to put your tax money. I recommend saving between 20 and 30% throughout the year, kind of depending on how much income you're bringing in and literally just put it into that account and don't look at it again. You want to keep it in there. Uh, Everything that's in your checking is what's going to be where your income is coming in and where your expenses are coming out of and your savings. You know, even if you want to put a little extra in there, you can do that too. It's for your emergency fund. I know in that first couple of years, it's really hard. That's, you know, not a lot of money left over at the end of the month to save, but, you know, a little goes a long way over time. So I always like to recommend that. Um, And then, you know, also another thing for credit cards that's good is you can put big expenses on there and then pay them off. You know, say you bought, um, you needed, really needed a desk for your office. You didn't have the money right now. You could buy it right now, pay it off next year, but you're going to get that tax benefit for your 2022 taxes. So it's almost like you're kind of cheating the system in a way, even though you're not, it's totally legal way to do it, but you get that benefit for your 2022 taxes um, and then pay it off through 2023. Because you can also claim the interest on your taxes as well, because even if you're putting something on your credit card and you're not paying it off immediately, you are going to have, you know, finance interest charges and things like that. But you can also take those things if they are specifically business expenses and apply them as a tax um, as a business expense, the additional in um, interest on those purchases. Yes, totally. Exactly. It's going to reduce your taxable income. So that's another added benefit. All right. So let's jump into uh, Venmo and 1099s. I know that's always been a big thing for women uh, in this industry. 
And especially because the IRS came out with their whole, their scary conversation of we're going to, we're going to, you know, track everything that you're doing um, this past year. So I know a lot of people are very nervous about that. Uh, Don't be nervous. First of all, (laughs) the first thing to note is that if you make under $600, like say you have this one client who always pays you in Venmo, but it's been less than $600. You don't have to worry about it. You are yeah. welcome to claim it. No, you know that the IRS will gladly take your tax money on it, but you don't have to. So six hundred dollars is your key number to remember. Um, anything under that is something you don't need to worry about. What I like to recommend for Venmo, if you have not yet done this, is to set up a Venmo for business. Personally, that's how I take all of the funds through my company. Uh, and it's easy because it has some of the lowest credit card rates, uh, transaction fees in the uh, process, payment processing industry. Uh, because they have just recently started it, they're still on the lower end. Um and the thing about credit card transaction fees is they're they're a necessary evil to have, but they uh, reduce your taxable income. You can use the, that those fees that you pay to uh, reduce your taxable income. They can be written off at the end of the year. So it's not a bad thing to have them. They actually do you uh, more good than if you don't use a bit Venmo for business and you're kind of trying to do everything under the table, that's going to cause you more problems later. So that's my number one recommendation. Get the business one. So quick question. You just mentioned their transaction fees are some of the lowest. I know Square is another really popular one for um, industry professionals to use. How do they compare against Square? Um, they are very close and similar to Square. Square is obviously a gigantic company, so they can afford to have lower rates. It comes in, you know, how it's always like a certain percentage plus uh, cents on the dollar, essentially, right? So their cents on the dollar is lower than Square's, but I'm pretty sure they have either a one or two percentage difference on the front end. So they're very similar. They're very close. Square, I recommend if you're doing a lot of transactions, if you're seeing, you know, more than three women a day for lashes, I would highly recommend going with a bigger payment processor. Um, But like, if you don't, if you're, you know, still starting out, it's okay. One thing I like to say about Venmo is it's really great to get started with, but as you grow and get larger, it's better to switch to something like Square or um, Vagaro or Boulevard is another one that's really good because you you want to be able to, the thing that comes with those softwares is, is tracking and reporting and Venmo doesn't have those kinds of things. So it's good to get started with, but as you get bigger, you're going to want to know what's happening, how you're getting the money when you have, you know, peaks and pits in your income. So I, I would say that if you want to, if you have plans to grow, then just go with Square right away. If you're planning on being a little bit smaller, you only want to work part-time, Venmo is a good place to get started because it's so easy to. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Great information. (laughs) I'm sure everybody is listening to this, just soaking it up and also thinking in retrospect, dang it, why didn't I do square? (laughs) (laughs) Well, because- Yeah, I know. know. So many options, you know? I know. Well, and with so many artists too, I think some one thing that's hard, and that's why I love that you just said, if you're planning on growing, then start out with a bigger one. Because one thing that I think is difficult is if you get a bunch of regular clients and they're used to paying you through Venmo, sometimes it's hard to switch systems. And it's hard for people to switch. They just want to automatically pay you through Venmo. And if all of a sudden now you're doing, you know, um, square, they may not be as comfortable with that. But if you're always, if you're starting out with square, so if you have that intention, okay, I don't want this to be just part-time and I am going to grow and I want to be on my own and, you know, X, Y, and Z, and you start with square, then your customers will immediately, your clients will immediately know, okay, we're doing square. And then it's not switching systems. Um, so I I love that point also because Square and um, I'm not as familiar with Vagro, but um, Square has a lot of marketing capabilities as well and allows you to communicate with your clients. So that's different from the financial aspect, but it also has other things integrated into it. So um, definitely with that growth mindset, I would say going to a different platform where you can look at everything. Um if you just need something simple and you're just going to be seeing a couple of clients, then yes, I totally agree. I think Venmo's great. 
Yeah, I 100% agree. I think it's a good place to start. I really like Square. About 10 of my 15 clients use Square. And it's good because I, as a bookkeeper, have access on the back end. I can see all the same things. So I'm able to pull my own reports um, and share that information. You know, sometimes it can be overwhelming. You go to that report screen, you're like, oh my God, there's like 50 things on here. Which one do I want? What does this mean? So from my aspect, it's nice because I can pull the things that I need. I can I can edit them. You know, for example, um, Square also has payroll. So I will, you know, when I'm doing my client's payroll, I can pull specific reports that show what people sold in retail products versus um, service sales. And I can get a good feel for how the income is coming into the business. So I'm a big fan of it. I really like it. Um, and the other thing too, I will, I will say is when you pick a payment processor, stick with it. Don't allow people to pay you from with Square and with Venmo and Cash App. Don't don't complicate it because then, like you said, it's going to be really hard to get those customers to come back, reel them back in to say, okay, I'm only doing Square now. So stick with one. Don't try to do multiples. You know, put your foot down when someone's like, but I love to pay with Cash App. And you're like, well, that's too bad. You know, do you go to Walmart and ask if you can pay with Cash App? Right. (laughs) (laughs) No, you don't. So. Um, you know, really just make make it a the standard and that's how it will stay. Um, and and I think that was another good point when you brought that up, the cash app, it made me think of something else because I know there are some artists out there who offer um or have a different pricing structure if somebody pays cash so they don't get hit with those um the credit card processing fees. So I think it was important what you said just a little bit back about those credit card processing fees, how those can all be deducted as business expenses. Because I think people usually view those as that cash is just gone. And mm-hmm. instead, it can be looked at as a business expense and deducted from your taxes. So um, I do think that's important to note. If you are one of those people who are like, oh, I just want my clients to pay with cash because then it's more in my pocket and it's easier. It is a little bit trickier because there isn't that electronic trail to be able to track it on the back end for your books. Um, and you can deduct those credit card processing fees. Correct. Yeah. Well, and the thing about cash is, yes, cash is king and it is really great, but you're right. There is no paper trail. Um, And if you're doing a lot of cash sales, um, it it can be a trigger for the IRS to audit you. I hate to say that, but it really is the truth. You know, if you have credit card sales, then they see everything that happened. They saw how you charged it. They saw what, you know, what the person paid for and all those things. But with cash, it's like, well, you know, it looks like you're getting these, you're getting $50 tips every time you do a credit card transaction. But every time you made a cash sale, you didn't get tipped. That seems curious. Um, So it really just kind of, it, it, brings attention to something that you don't need to. And even if you are doing it 100% the correct way, nobody wants to get audited. So I really highly recommend the credit card uh, trail. And um, yeah, and there's no reason to look at the fees as a negative. I, I see it as a positive. You're really trying to reduce the amount of money, the amount of income you brought in. You want that to be as low as possible so you don't have to pay that many taxes. Everybody wants to profit, right? And if you're profiting and you're making good money, then you're also paying a lot in taxes and there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, you want to be able to reduce, you want your business expenses to really be close up there with what you're bringing in so you're not losing all your money to the government. Absolutely. And then one other thing, and you may be planning on touching on this as well, but when we were talking just a little bit back, and it, this just made me think of it again as people you know, getting paid, um, when you were talking about setting up a business checking and a business savings account, how do you suggest people pay themselves? Because I know it's a temptation once you have that business checking, oh, I need to go buy this and this and this and their personal expenses. But to keep those accounts truly separate, how do you suggest people pay themselves from those business accounts? Yeah, this is a great question. I get this one a lot, actually. So there's quite a few ways that you can do it. You can set up an automatic uh, withdrawal or payment to yourself. Um, I have one client who automatically zells herself every month, and it goes right into her personal account, uh, and it always comes in on a certain date. You can do it like once or twice a month if you want. Um Another way is you can old school write yourself a check and, you know, go and cash it, deposit it into your personal account. But my personal favorite, if you're in a rush and you're like, I really need this money right now and um, I got to go to the store 
then the best way to pay yourself is just to go to the ATM and take cash out. Make sure that you keep the receipt that comes out of the account, uh, uh, out of the ATM and put that with all of your other receipts because it's important um, to prove, you know, that you, that's what you took it for. And you can even write on the receipt, um, owner pay, and then just put it with everything else. That's my favorite way because it's the fastest and easiest. Um, it, it can kind of get a little bit out of control if you're just like going to the ATM every time. So I like to recommend that you pick a certain amount, you know, say you're bringing in, um, $3,000 a month. The general rule of thumb is that, uh, 50% should hopefully be going back into your pocket. So, you know, say you bring in three, 3,000 a month, then, you know, I would start on the lower end and, you know, maybe take out $500. Uh, and then that way, if you need to pull out more, you, you have that opportunity to take everything out at once. Um, cause obviously you, you are going to need funds to pay your business expenses, but you're also, you know, you're also working to live too. So, um, one thing I like to recommend when you're trying to figure out how much to pay yourself is to start with your personal expenses, make a list. Um, I like, I like spreadsheets, um, cause I'm a dork, but I, I really like to write everything down of what I want to, what I need to pay for in my personal life and then see what that looks like in comparison to what I'm bringing in, in my business. Can I fund my, my personal life with my business? Um, you know, what does that look like? Once I know that, then that's how come, how much I know I need to be able to pull out of my business every month. And if it's not enough in the business, then I know what that gap is that I need to fill in clients. How many more people do I need to bring in to get, say, that extra thousand dollars to pay my own personal bills? Because let's be honest, that's what you started the business for, right? Was to not to be your own boss and to be able to pay for your own lifestyle. So um I I like to recommend starting there on the personal side and then moving into the business side. So that's perfect. I just, I think it's important for people to understand that they do need to pay themselves as well, because you are, as you mentioned, you know, you started this business to be your own boss and to be able to take care of your expenses. And I think that is a great point that you made of being able to understand how much you're bringing in, what you need to cover your personal expenses, and also an understanding of what you need to cover your business expenses so that you know that gap and you can fill that with clients if necessary. Or if you're right there and you're good and maybe you need one more client to just make sure you have a little bit of padding. Really understanding your numbers is so key. And um, as we, as you said at the beginning of this call, you know, they don't teach you this piece in um, esthetician school or in uh, cosmetology. You know, they don't teach you this piece. And it is so important to understand and know your numbers. How much are you spending on your products? How much are you spending on rent if you're renting a place if, or on your booth rent? How much are you spending if you have your own like, you know, salon suite or things like that? Do you have to pay any utility bills? Um, you know, what are all of those expenses and really knowing and putting them into that spreadsheet like you were talking about? So you have one for your personal expenses, one for your business expenses, and then you really truly understand where your numbers need to be and how many clients you need to have, where your prices should be, all of those kinds of things to be able to cover your expenses and to make money doing what you love. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because you don't want it to be uh, unenjoyable. Don't get me wrong. Being a business owner can come with its stresses and you wear a lot of hats between, you know, actually doing the lashes, but also being your marketing person and your uh, front desk person, you know, like you have a lot of things going on. So you don't need any more extra stress. I think that, you know, if you have a spreadsheet for your home expenses, as well as for your business expenses, you can really keep track of where your money is going, like you said. And one thing I want to talk about in our podcast in January is setting budgets and making sure that you're staying within those budgets for your different categories, you know. Um, one thing you can do now that will help you to save money for taxes is to bulk up on your inventory. Notoriously, holiday season is busy for everyone. They all want to look great for Thanksgiving and Christmas and Hanukkah. So you are obviously bringing in a little bit extra income than you normally would be on a regular basis. And I don't know about many of you know your businesses, but 
the businesses I've worked in sometimes were busy in January and February. And that seems to be the trend more lately. People get money for Christmas and they're spending it in the beginning of the year. But in the past and with some other companies, things really die out at the beginning of the year. So if you can take that little bit of extra money you're getting at the end of the year to make some purchases that will benefit you, you know, January, February, even March, if you can stretch it that far, then that will help you next year as well, because you're going to have a slower time of year. You're going to bring be bringing in less money. Um, and you can even set your budgets for less too at the beginning of the year. Um, but I really like to recommend that, you know, if you find that there's a big sale somewhere or like a buy to get one, definitely take advantage of it at the end of the year so you can get those tax um, benefits now. Yeah, that's what I was going to say too is, uh, and I love that you brought that up, is there are so many companies that are doing sales. I mean, I know like we just did a large Black Friday sale and, um, spoiler alert, we will be doing some little flash sales around Christmas. And so um, watching for those sales and making sure you're taking advantage of them. I mean, something that AW does is that we have an influencer program as well. And our influencers get a 20% discount on their products all the time. So if you are someone who uses a specific company of products like AW or different companies. I know many companies have similar type programs. So I would highly suggest looking into those programs to qualify for those discounts. And yes, spend, hit all the sales, use the discounts you can and stock up at the end of the year. Um, and also because then it helps you reduce with more business expenses, it helps you to reduce that taxable income. And so you end up coming out ahead anyway. You might as well get the products instead of just giving all your money to the federal government. Yeah, exactly. And everybody loves a sale, right? Everybody exactly. loves shopping things. <laughs> sale, yeah. So go for it. Um, so yeah, that's a really great way. I think another way to really, uh, you know, if you're struggling, let's say you're struggling on the other side of it and you're, you haven't quite yet built up your clientele, you're still really trying to get people in. One way you can reduce how much you're spending is review your bank statements and look for, you know, those recurring subscriptions. You know, for example, Canva, I spend $12.95 every month on that and I use it frequently, but if I wasn't, it would be a good time to get rid of it or if you can downgrade your your subscriptions, you know, make them, if you're not using all the features, make it a little bit less, or if you need more, you can definitely boost it up. But I feel like if you're going to increase it, then you should probably also consider changing it to a yearly charge rather than a monthly charge. You can save money usually if you pay all at once rather than separately over time. And you also get a big tax savings on, you know, switching that over. Say you switched over your website to paying yearly, then you can get that charge in now uh, instead of, you know, making a bunch of mini ones next year. And it's already paid for, so you don't have to worry about that expense. That's a great point. Really looking at what you're, because there are so many subscriptions, I think even, um, just in the app store, taking a look at your app store and um, looking at what subscriptions you're paying for on your phone and um, what ones are you really using? What, how many editing apps do you need? Which ones do you use? And I think that's actually a good point for anybody, quite frankly. Even if you have yes. all the clients you need and you're bringing in enough money, periodically reviewing your bank statements and um, you know your apps that you're paying for just to cut out additional expenses. Yeah, there's no reason to pay for things if you're not using them. And you can do that in your personal life too. You know, I think that's a lot of people get sucked into the random, you know, the monthly recurring Apple charge for all the apps that you're getting. So really get in there and look around and see what you can be using. And sometimes it also leads you to find other new things too, other new apps that you could be using instead that maybe are free um, or at a lower rate as well. Absolutely. No, that is a great point. Um, and then along with uh, kind of the what we touched on before, another good thing is to make any large purchases you've been putting off or maybe any large repairs you've needed to make. Try to get those in now in December. So once again, you can use up some of that extra profit money to reduce your taxable income. Um, you know, say you've really been putting off fixing that AC and you're like, oh, we can just wait until March, do it now and get it taken care of. I mean, it's entirely possible that you could, it, it's a lower rate to get it fixed in 
the middle of winter because no one's using their AC. Um, I mean, depending on where you're located, at least out here in Colorado, nobody's using it. Um, you know, try to get those things out of the way now. Not only will it put you ahead for the next year, but again, it's going to reduce that income. Um, or if, you know, say you did really need to buy a new um, shelving structure, you know, hit up Ikea and spend that money now. You can even put it on that credit card. Um, it's going to work for you there. Yeah, absolutely. Or if you need a new lash bed, go buy a new lash bed or a light. Yes. Whatever. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All the things. Yes. Well, and if it's your first year in business, the IRS allows you to deduct up to $5,000 in your startup costs. So these items, you know, the lash bed, the lights, all of those things are considered startup costs. So you can deduct more in your first year than you can any other year after that. So if you've been putting it off and it's your first year, definitely make it happen. Perfect. What other things should people be doing other than, you know, if stocking up on supplies, assuming they can within their budget, obviously don't go into massive amounts of debt, stocking up on things to reduce your tax liability. Right. Not what we're saying, but (laughs) (laughs) don't do that. But um, if you have some extra money and you want to reduce your tax liabilities, stocking up in supplies you know, upgrading your lash bed, doing some of those things that can be considered those business expenses, do it. But other than that, what other things would you suggest to people to be doing and thinking about right now in December um, before the calendar year ends? Yeah. Um, I think one big thing is if you are starting, you know, if you're not just starting out, if you've been in business for a while and you are profiting consistently more than $50,000 every year, you should really consider becoming an S or C corporation. It's a really great designation that you can switch to now. Um, The paperwork, I believe, has to actually be in um, before, I think it's by January, you have to have the paperwork in and consult with your tax preparer to know more about this. And they'll be able to tell you as well if you are in a good position for it. But the reason why it's great is because it saves you money on your um, self-employment taxes. So as most people know, when you are an employee for a company, the the employer is paying a portion of taxes on your behalf including that, you know, you're paying a portion as well, but that portion that the employer is paying, when you become an owner, no one's paying it for you. So you have to pay it. When you become an S or a C Corp, those pay, those taxes are still being paid, but you're allowed to get them back. So you save money, you know, it can be up to $10,000 a year that can be saved by not paying those and getting that money back. So it's good to look into it and to talk about it with your tax advisor now, because you want to make that designation sooner rather than later. Um, And it should be mentioned that SNC Corps file their tax returns March 15th instead of April 15th. So all of your due dates kind of shift up a whole month if you do decide to go with that designation, but it can be a huge tax savings for you if you're making really good profits. Yeah. I mean, right off the top, when you are filing your taxes as just a self-employed individual, the government usually takes 15% because what happens normally when you're employed by an employer, like you were mentioning, Haley, is you pay like seven and a half percent and your employer pays seven and a half percent. But when you're self-employed, you have to pay the full 15%. So doing the S-Corp designation where you're being able to deduct that and get that back is a huge benefit when you can, when you get to that level that you can do that designation. It also gives you that EIN number that we were talking about earlier and helps you so that you can qualify and build your business credit. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of really great benefits for it. Um, and on the lower end, if you're not at that that level, I also recommend, you know, becoming an LLC. It depends on the state that you're in. I know California has very strict laws about LLC and it can be actually worse to become one. But in a lot of states, especially here in Colorado, if you become an LLC, it's very smart business move to protect yourself. You know, let's say you started up your company and um, you just started taking clients right away. You know, there's a lot of important paperwork that has to happen before you can legally be considered a business. And if you're doing things just as a sole proprietor, as an individual under your personal name, um, it's less protective than if you have an LLC because then you're, if something, God forbid, were to happen in your 
chair, you know, say there was some sort of um, an accident or an injury, that that client could sue you in civil court. And if you have an LLC, they cannot come through your business and personally sue you. They can only sue your business, which means that only your business assets are at risk, not your whole entire life that you've built up. So it's important to have protections in place. And I definitely recommend talking to your tax advisor about it for your personal state to decide if it's really the best option. Um, but it's good to have protection. Absolutely. Because we also live in a day and age where everybody sues for everything. <laughs> yeah, yes, <laughs> legit. I'm I'm not kidding. I just heard a business owner talking about the fact that they were getting sued um, for time and for um, harm done over a text message that someone received, like a promotional oh message. And most text message companies don't allow you to send to anyone unless it's an opt-in, but mm-hmm. she's suing. So people find things to sue for. And I'm not trying to scare everybody, but it is important to understand and to protect yourself. Because also, if they're only able to sue your business entity, if your business entity only has like your, um, you know, your business savings and your business checking account is basically your only assets, really, and maybe like the furniture in your lash room or something, it's very minimal what they can actually go after you for. And yes. so, and then, and you can still have a livelihood. You can recover from something like that and be able to move forward and not have like this huge, you know, debt cloud hanging over you. So it is important to protect yourself. Yes, definitely. And especially if it's, you know, you're in your beginning years, you definitely want to make sure that you have that going into, if you didn't take care of it this year, definitely do it before next year. Um, another one that's really a good way to kind of save money, it's more like putting it to the side for later, um, is to fund and or start your own personal 401k, or it's called a SCP IRA. And it's for you, your personal retirement savings. I know it's probably one of the last things that gets thought about when you open your own business. You know, a lot of big corporations, they have 401ks and all that kind of stuff set up for you. So you don't even have to think about it. But as a small business owner, it's important to start doing it now. The earlier you start, the less money you have to kind of put in all at once. And I mean, I'm in my 30s and I've, you know, just got started a couple of years ago on having my own personal IRA. And, you know, it's, I feel like I'm making up for having to make up for last time. But the benefit to opening it is that you can put as much money in there as you want to up up until a certain limit. I think it's, they changed it this year. So I'd have to look up exactly what it was, but there's a certain amount you can put in. It's a large number. But you're not getting taxed on that money now. So you can say, take your profit, the percentage of your profits this year, put it in there, and then you won't get taxed until you take that money out when you retire. So it's a good place to kind of store your money. I highly recommend IRAs over 401ks just because of market value, but um, it's really up to you and what kind of good programs you can find. The uh, I know in the state of Colorado this coming year, the state is actually starting a 401k program um, because a lot of businesses don't offer it. So you can contribute. Obviously, there's no matching um, employer contribution, just like you know owning your own business, there's not. But it gives you a place to put your money um, and makes kind of takes a complicated mess out of like trying to figure everything out. And on that too, it made me think of, um, and I'm going to take us totally in a different direction here. But also a lot of people right now, if you are self-employed and you're over the age of 26, so you're not on your parents' insurance anymore, a lot of people are doing like marketplace insurance plans because you have to find your own health insurance. Is there any way also to easily set up if you, you know, you're self-employed or if you have an S-corp or an LLC or any of those types of things, is there an easy way to set up kind of um, a health savings plan or how would you suggest people track like medical expenses to be able to deduct those? I mean, I know that's a little different than business or can you use some of your business funds and pay for like medical expenses? That's a great question. Uh, So the IRS is a little bit weird on this one, but essentially if you are, you are a sole proprietor LLC, if it's just you owning the business, if you, you want to pay for your health stuff, your insurance, health savings account, you want to pay for that out of your personal bank account. However, they allow you to use it as a deduction on your business or on your taxes. So 
what happens when you file taxes when you're a business is you complete a Schedule C is what it's called. And it's basically a listing of all the things you spent money on and how much money you made. That number that comes up at the end of what you're gonna what your taxable income is, that gets placed onto your personal tax return. And on your personal tax return, you can claim your health uh, benefit, your health insurance, medical expenses, all that kind of stuff. So it's helping you as a business owner, but it's coming out of your personal side of things, if that makes sense. Um, you, and the best way to keep track of everything, which is actually pretty easy these days, um, a lot of almost everyone is digital. And if you just go back in through your payment portal of your um you know, your doctor's offices, it'll have a whole listing of everything that you've paid for in there as well as the breakdown. You can save the paper copies if you want to as well, but um, I myself don't like to, I usually get everything digital just to save on paper. So um, that's the best place to go and look and find that stuff. You could also, let's say you're having a really bad year and you were diagnosed with an autoimmune disease this past year and you went to the doctor 50 times, you could start a spreadsheet uh, with everything that you're paying for inside of there. And just kind of marking what you paid for and um, everything that kind of goes along with that. So there's a couple of different options, but the most important thing to remember is that you don't want to pay for it out of your business. You want to pay for it out of your personal bank account. Perfect. I, I was just thinking about that because I'll admit, you know, as someone who is, has to do the marketplace insurance and all of that kind of stuff, I thought, you know what, there's probably other people who are dealing with that as well. So understanding that and having that information is great. Okay, so going along in our checklist, what else should people be thinking about and doing? I mean, and maybe they're not doing it this year, but maybe they're thinking about it. For example, what is the best way to track expenses? Should people be trying to navigate QuickBooks or just have the folders on their computer and then like the hard copy folders? What should people also be thinking about to set themselves up for an easier year next year to be able to track their numbers and track all their information? Yeah, that's a great question because let's be real, it's you know, the end of December here. So um, there's a lot of things you're not going to be able to do or you're just like, I just give up on this year and you want to start fresh for the beginning of the next year. So um, as a bookkeeper, I would highly recommend getting a bookkeeper at the very least. We are not accountants, so we definitely are not as expensive as accountants. What we do is help you with your uh, expenses and income. Essentially, I personally like to work with QuickBooks, but there's a lot of other great software out there. Zero is one of them, um, as well as Wave, which is another cheaper option if you're just getting started. So I recommend... I'll start, I'll, let me start with this. If you're if you're just at the basic level and you're like, I just need to make a change right now, then I recommend using the Google suite of products. So they have, if you have a Gmail account, it comes with it, but you get spreadsheets for free that, along with that subscription. So have at the most basic level, a spreadsheet that says date, uh, vendor, how much it cost, and what did you buy? At the very least, do that. So, you know, say 12-1... Salon centric, $30. I bought alcohol wipes and gloves. And then just do that every time you have a receipt that comes in. It, if you can't keep up with it on a daily or even a weekly basis, then definitely do it on a monthly basis. I don't recommend going past that because then things get crazy and you forget, like, what did I even buy at the store? And now I can't find my receipt and all those things. So it at least gives you a paper trail for your own self. And then if you get, you know, two months in and you're like, this is way too much work for me. I don't want to do this. I need to do take my time and focus it on other things. Then when you bring in a professional to help you, you already have something started for them and it's going to make their life so much easier. They're not going to have to charge you as much money to go backwards to your bank statements and figure everything out um, and spend time asking you questions. They're already going to know what's going on and what's happening. So I recommend that's where you would start at the basis. There's also a lot of um, bookkeepers, especially if you're on Instagram. They're, right now, at this time of the year, they're offering um, free or at a reduced rate uh, tracking expense 
um, spreadsheets. So like they've already put them together. Some can be really complicated. Others are very simple. So if you don't, if you're not tech savvy, you can also kind of purchase one. I think the most I've ever seen one go for was like $130 and it had a lot of really great detail in there. Um, so that's another option for you. You can pick one of those up. I have one available on my website as well. Um, you can kind of go that direction. Then if you're ready to pick someone up, I highly recommend, like I said, starting with a bookkeeper because you can really form a personal relationship with them, talk to them. All of my clients I talk to sometimes on a daily or weekly basis. I mean, we don't always talk about books, uh, but you know, sometimes we just talk about personal life. It's Life gets hard sometimes. And it's good to have an open relationship because then people understand what you're going through and kind of what's you know happening in your business and how, you know, if you're like really stressed out and there's a lot going on, then we know not to bother you and kind of give you some space. Um, or if you need someone to check in on you all the time, then we know that. So it's good to have an open relationship. I say definitely do your research. Find someone who, if you can, is dedicated at least to the beauty industry, if not to the lash industry, find someone who has, you know, like myself worked in it or specifically only done, you know, works with clients from that industry. You'll get a lot further. I'm not saying that, um, people with general knowledge can't help you because they definitely can, but it, from what I've heard from my clients, it helps them a lot more when people know exactly what they're going through on a daily basis, um, and what they're spending their money on they can ask more personalized questions of like, what should I do exactly in this situation and scenario? And then they typically know. From there, if you're on the bigger side, then I definitely say get a accountant, CPA, or an EA, which is called an enrolled agent. They are all at the top tier. Really do your research on them as well. Um, but you're going to want them to give you a little bit more tax advice, things to know for, like I was mentioning with the X Corp, C Corp, um, how much money you should be saving for taxes, all of those kinds of things. They're going to really have the knowledge on it. And they can also sometimes do your bookkeeping. So then you kind of have a one-stop shop. There's nothing wrong with having a bookkeeper and an accountant who are separate companies, um, but sometimes it can be better to have everything under one roof. Well, and I, I just wanted to touch on what you mentioned finding someone that's familiar with the industry. Um, I at least think um, absolutely look for people who have experience in the beauty industry because then they'll also know what kinds of questions to ask. Like you were talking about the personalized questions. They're going to know, you know, because um, if you get some, you know, and I'm not saying men don't know and understand the beauty industry. A lot of them mm -hmm. do. But if you get a man who is usually used to working like with engineering companies or an account, um, like a law firm or stuff like that, they're not going to understand the ins and outs in the day to day basis. They're not going to understand like that they should be asking you about how much you're spending in your product and how many clients. You, do you, you know what I mean? Like all of those kinds mm -hmm. of questions that are much more personalized to your business. If you have someone that is uh, very uh, familiar with the beauty industry, they're going to know the types of questions to ask to make sure that they're accounting for everything and um, have a complete understanding of your business. Yeah. And they're going to, they're going to understand what it is that you're looking for. One of the biggest pain points I've come across, you know, when I meet new clients and ask them, you know, kind of why, why are you making this change now? You know, it says you have an accountant already in my form, you know, why are you looking out, looking out for someone new? And they're always, what they always say is, well, I just didn't feel like they were really telling me anything or explaining anything to me. And it was really hard to get a hold of them. And they never sent me any of my reports. And I didn't know what was going on in my business because they never told me. So if that's something that you're looking for, if you want to know on you know a weekly or even a monthly basis what's happening, you can ask for those things. You know, um, one thing I like to offer uh, my clients is phone calls. You know, I like to jump, I, I will put together their profit and loss statements and then we'll jump on a phone call and we'll talk about it. Because if you get just a piece of paper that says all these numbers and words on it, you're like, what does this even mean? This is not my forte. But yeah. if someone sits down and says, Hey, you spent $2,000 on lashes last month. It's a little bit above your budget. You think maybe you could take tone it down a little bit for the next month. I've noticed that, you know, historically March is a slow month for you. That's a way different experience than just getting a piece of paper that says you spent 2000 and then you have to assume, then you're like, well, what did I spend last month? And, you know, what is March busy for me? Do I need all these things? So you want someone that's really going to be on your side, that's going to help you grow your business, you know, because that's your ultimate goal usually 
Mm -hmm. as you've grown a lot is to continue to grow. So you want to know not only what do you need to, you know, what is it that is wrong, but what needs to change and why do you need to change it to help future you uh, in the long run? So you want to have someone that has an open conversation, open relationship um, and people that communicate very well, because a lot of times you will find, I mean, especially someone, if they're working with engineers and lawyers, they're going to be very rigid. Those uh, that population is typically very quiet and reserved, um, or they just like talk in scientific terms all the time. So you want someone that's real and down to earth and it's going to explain things to you so that you understand. Absolutely. Okay. So let's just to kind of wrap things up for this part, because we're definitely going to do a part two. So everybody stay tuned and please send in any questions you might have as you start off the new year. But anything else we should let people know for end of the year preparations? The only other thing I would have to say is uh, just make sure that you've made all of your quarterly estimated tax payments for the year. There's one more coming up in January. It's due January 16th. Um, and you have the opportunity to kind of make up for anything, you know, like say you weren't able to pay as much in Q3, making sure that you hit that, pay that. Um, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, then definitely get someone to explain to you what a quarterly estimated tax payment is. Um, essentially, it's you're paying as you go. Um We'll go back to the whole employee-employer thing. Your taxes are taken out of your check when you're an employee at a company. When you own the business, no one's taking that money from you. You have to pay it in yourself. So on a quarterly basis, four times a year, you're making these payments. If you haven't made them at all this year, it's okay. Don't freak out. Um, it'll be all right. In your first year, they're not expected from you. Starting in your second year, they will be. Um, but like I said, if you start saving 20 to 30% of your income, putting it into a savings account, uh, starting off next year, that'll put you in good shape. There's also a lot of really good resources and quarterly estimated tax payments on the IRS website. It's a little IRS jargony, but it definitely gives you the breakdown of when everything is due. Perfect. And and I know a lot of people are going to have a lot more questions after they listen to this podcast. So again, um, Haley, share your contact information and um, in case they want to reach out to you directly or, you know, send your questions into AW, direct message us, and we will put them together for part two of this podcast. So Haley, again, share your personal, your contact information. Yeah, so you can reach me at bkeepsbooks.com. It's just the letter B, um, keepsbooks.com. And otherwise, uh, there's a contact form on there if you want to reach out and ask me any questions. I also have a new client consultation form. You don't have to become a client to fill it out. Uh, you can ask me all of your questions in there. Let me kind of know where you are. You can always jump on a discovery call. Uh, all my introduction calls are free. I love to give information out. So I'm not... Uh, you know, dead set on getting you as my client. I really just want to educate people. So check that out. I also am on Instagram at beekeepsbooks. Uh, you can find a lot of good information on my page and, uh, you know, check out who I follow. That's what I always like to recommend to people is check out who your tax people are following. They usually have a lot of really good assets on there um, of people to check out. And uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it for my contact stuff. Those are the best places to reach me. Um, or you can email me b at bkeepsbooks.com. Again, just the letter B. Thank you so much, Haley, for being with us and this information. It is seriously so valuable um, that people are more educated in their small businesses and really understand that, especially as we're closing out one year and going into the next one. Um, so I appreciate so much you spending this time with us and I'm excited to do part two. Me too. Yes. I'm so excited to talk about, you know, go over everyone's questions and I really hope this was helpful for everybody. It's been exciting to be here and uh, I can't wait to chat with you guys again soon. Perfect. Thanks everyone. Thanks for joining us today.